We're going to open the word of the Lord today. And if anyone is here who needs to use a headset uh, for Spanish translation, we have those available. You can just uh, raise your hand or make your way to the sound booth and they'll get you taken care of. I'm going to read today from Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 18, and I'll let you be seated in just a moment. Um, continuing this series on the book of Acts, and of course last week we were so blessed to have uh, Brother Hobson with us, and, uh, but we're back to the book of Acts today, and going to take a little different twist on Acts chapter 2. I've preached a lot of, out of Acts chapter 2, and at this point I'm endeavoring, I'll preach one sermon per chapter as we go through the book of Acts until the Lord changes direction. But I'm going to read verses 14 through 18 today, and it says this, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, it's nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. Today I want to preach for just a little bit. The supernatural is for everyone. The supernatural is for everyone. God bless you. You may be seated. There is in our world a seeming increase in people looking at the paranormal or things outside of normal. And in fact, it is uh, just about everywhere you look, there's, there's new shows cropping up. And the supernatural, however, is, is defined a little bit different than what they would define the paranormal. And the, and the supernatural is defined as that which is above or beyond nature. And because we serve a God who created all things, and we serve a God who made all things, He is while he is, the Bible says, imminent with us, he is also transcendent, which means he is beyond and above his creation. He is far exceeding his creation. But what I've noticed in our culture as there, there is a, a tend and a trend toward the supernatural or the paranormal, maybe is a better word in our culture, or things that are spiritual, there seems to be an increase and a rise of people believing in and experiencing or believing that you can experience the evil side of the supernatural. That they are looking to paranormal and almost always these things are, are bad. They're ghosts and they're things that are out to do you harm. And, and I, I've seen that people in our culture, if they don't have a, a Bible basis and a Bible foundation, believe in that oftentimes more than they believe in God. There just seems to be this gravitation toward evil spirits. I, I met a man back in October. He was the, an employee of a, of a guy that I know who's been at our church. And 
he asked me to, to meet with this guy. This guy was going through a rough time and, uh, with drugs and a number of things. And so I, I met with him. And the guy tells me right off the bat, he's like, I don't believe in God. I'm like, okay. Well, that's at least, you know, at least we know we're going to start here. And, and as we had this conversation and I delved into to this conversation, I found out that while he doesn't believe in God, he believes in the devil. And the reason that he believed in the devil is because he had an encounter with a, a lady or a woman he was trying to go on a date with, and she happened to be a witch, and she had demonic spirits that were accompanying her. And he said, it scared me to death, but I still don't believe in God. That's where our culture is. In fact, I, I did a little research. Atheist. Now, by definition, an atheist is a person who says there is no God. 10% of atheists believe in ghosts. 18% of atheists believe in demons. That they will believe in evil spirits that are in our world, but they won't believe in a creator of all things. Agnostics, by definition, it's, if, if you care, it, it's the, it's a, it comes from the Greek word gnosis or knowledge, and you put the A in front of that, and that means it negates it. And so, an agnostic is a person who says, I'm not sure that there's a God, that we can't know if there's a God. Out of that category, 23% of agnostics believe in ghosts. 35% believe in demons, yet they say there is no God or that you can't know God. In the U.S., 50% of adults believe in ghosts and 46% believe in demons. 61% of American adults that were surveyed believed that other people had experienced ghosts. Now, if you were following this, only 46% say they believe that there are ghosts, but 61% believe that other people have experienced ghosts, which means you can't experience something that doesn't exist. But they believe people have experienced this thing that they say don't ex does not exist. 37% of adults in the U.S. believe that houses can be haunted. More people believe in ghosts than believe that God created the world. That even out of the, the people that believe in, in God, and that number is on the decrease in the United States, while ghost and demon belief is on the rise, out of those people that believe that God may actually exist, they, many of them don't really believe that he created the world. They don't trust his word. They don't believe his word. And more people believe in ghosts than believe in creation. Only 36 to 38% of people in the United States believe that God created the world as the Bible proclaims. And I would tell you that even in the church world at large, there are many people who believe in God, but they often think that God cannot or does not interact and intervene in their lives. That while they say that He exists and He may save them, but He doesn't do the miraculous. He doesn't uh, involve Himself in their lives. He doesn't work for them. 
from my title, I, I'm preaching that the supernatural is for everyone. And I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe they exist because I believe in the Bible. I do believe in demons because the Bible tells me that they exist. But the Bible also tells me that God is the one who created these angels who then decided to rebel against him and they are fallen angels. That's what a demon is. So they exist. But I also believe everything else that the Bible tells me about God and that God is at work in his people and God wants to interact with his creation. God wants to interact with you and I. So how should we view the supernatural? And can everyone experience the supernatural should everyone experience the supernatural We're going to look at those in acts chapter 2 the the text that i read to you it is the story of pentecost pentecost means 50th that is the day of pentecost was 50 days after passover it is a standard feast of the jews it is a pilgrimage feast that the Jews were expected to come to Jerusalem to go to the temple to worship on Pentecost. Originally, it was celebrated in the spring, at the spring harvest. and The Christian significance, and while there's a lot of Jewish things we should take in, the, the real significance for you and I is that it is the birthday of the New Testament church. It is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And what you need to make sure that you understand is that Pentecost, while our denomination has Pentecost in the name, Pentecost is not a denomination. Pentecost is an experience. And the reality is that everyone who experiences what the apostles and the other 118 people in the upper room experienced on that day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, everyone who believes and experiences that is Pentecostal. Because they believe that it happens and they believe that they can experience. And I would tell you that you should believe that you should and must experience it. So Acts chapter 2, it starts with that setting of on the day of Pentecost or when the day of Pentecost was fully come, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were, they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and they set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as God or as the Spirit gave them utterance. So it is from that story, that passage, that a great crowd who has gathered at Pentecost for that feast gathers around and they hear this commotion. I don't know if they heard the wind, but they heard this 120 speaking in tongues and rejoicing and praising God. And it created and drew a crowd. So as this crowd is gathered around, they're wanting to know what's going on, and they think that the people are drunk, and so Peter stands up to preach to them and explain what is going on, and it is the text that I read. But, but from that text, which is a quote, the last two verses are a quote from the prophet Joel. I want to pull out my first point, which is this. It's that a supernatural salvation experience for everyone. That you and I who have experienced this supernatural salvation experience, it's not just for us, but it is for everyone. 
And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. That it is the plan and it is the will of God that all people everywhere would be filled with the Spirit. That He desires for everyone to be filled with the Spirit. In fact, it is not a, a just an aberration or an exception, but this thing that happened on Pentecost was the plan of God. God doesn't do things on the spur of the moment. The Bible says that Jesus is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. That God had it all planned out. He had everything lined out just so. I've quoted it many times, Galatians 4, 4, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. It was when God's time clock had hit the right schedule that Jesus appears on the scene at the incarnation. So God is not just going, man, what can we do tomorrow? How can we change up the salvation plan? How can we just kind of shift it around? It wasn't that at all, but it was planned. In fact, Isaiah had prophesied this, Isaiah 28, 11, for with stammering lips and another tongue he will speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest which you may cause the weary to rest and this is the refreshing Yet his people would not hear. We know that this is a prophecy about the coming of the Holy Spirit because Paul in in, uh, Corinthians said he used that same identical passage when it refers to tongues. He said, hey, this is that which was prophesied by Isaiah. That it wasn't a new thing, but God had planned all of this before time began. But even though God had spent most of our Bible walking with the nation of Israel, and it is his story of his interaction with the nation of Israel, it was his plan all along that all flesh would be saved. That everybody would come to him. The problem is that Israel couldn't keep themselves saved, much less try to reach the nations. But God planned it for all flesh. Paul would write this, It is not His will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants everybody to be saved. There is only one plan of salvation. There's not two, there's not three. There's not just figure it out on your own and hopefully you kind of stumble upon it. There is only one plan. But it is one plan for all people. That nobody is excluded from God's plan. All you have to do is follow His plan. Our text tells us it is for men and women. You don't have to be a man. You don't have to be a woman. You've got to be one or the other. But you can be either one of those. And His plan is for you. It's for the young. It's for the old. Age doesn't matter when it comes to God's salvation experience. It's for those who may be well off, but it's also for those who are socially disadvantaged on His men's servants and on His maid servants. You don't have to have a lot of money. You can have no money. Not only, you can not only just not have no money or no 
no resources at all, you can be in major debt, and it's still for you. That there is no limitation to God's plan. He is wanting for everyone to have a supernatural salvation experience. And I would tell you that every aspect of the prophecy that Isaiah had given and Joel had given came to pass in the first century and is still coming to pass today. The outpouring of the Spirit is for all. Quoted it many times, but Paul would write, If the Spirit that dwelt in Christ dwell in you, it shall also quicken your mortal bodies. And if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. I've got a friend of mine, I'm teaching him a Bible study. And he uses the phraseology of the Bible to say that he is born again. But the reality is he doesn't get that phrase from the Bible. He gets that from somebody else that explains what born again is. But when they explain what born again is, they divorce it from the passage. But Jesus uses the phrase born again. And he says, if you're not born again, you don't go to heaven. You don't see the kingdom. You don't enter the kingdom. But he explains what he means by born again. You've got to be born of water and of the Spirit. So my friend who's in a Bible study, I keep feeding him a little piece here and there. We're going to get to the end. and He's going to realize that he needs to do something different if he wants to be born again according to the scripture see it's a supernatural salvation experience and by supernatural I mean it's not just I said a prayer I shook a hand I filled out a card But something happens supernaturally. And what happens supernaturally for them at the day of Pentecost is what God wants to happen for you and I and for everyone that we know. That is that the Spirit of God really shows up. And the Spirit of God moves in and takes residence in our lives. And there is a supernatural outward manifestation of us speaking in a language that we do not know. For people, let me say it this way. I went to a Baptist seminary. And there was one main topic well, there were a number, but this, this, there was a theme that came up over and over and over in discussion and in class. And it was the assurance of salvation. Because my Baptist teachers and my Baptist classmates, they didn't believe in the infilling of the Spirit as it explained in Acts chapter 2 or Acts chapter 8, or Acts chapter 10, or Acts chapter 19. They didn't believe in that. So the reality of what they were doing is they're having to convince people 
that they're saved. They're having to constantly assure them, you're okay. Because the people that were told that the Pentecostal experience doesn't exist, those people didn't have a supernatural salvation experience. They had a man-made experience. It just says if you just say the certain words, say it the right way. Say this prayer that we're going to give you. And I'm not against repeating after me. It's a good start. It's a sign of repentance. And if you really mean it, God, he, he's, he's there to forgive. It's a, it's a, there is real repentance that can take place in that. But they don't experience anything. They don't feel anything. They don't have an encounter with God. And when you have an encounter with God, you can't wonder, did I really meet him? Did something really happen? It, when you have a supernatural experience, like on the day of Pentecost, there's no question that God showed up. There's no question that you experienced God. And that's what everybody needs. It's a supernatural salvation experience. Secondly, there is a supernatural ministry for everyone. See it highlighted on the screen behind me. Your sons and your daughters, they shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Maid servants and the men servants, they shall prophesy. Now I would tell you that there are people who get nervous when you talk about the supernatural and visions and dreams and prophecy. People within Pentecostal ranks and people that believe in the supernatural and they believe in the spirit. And, and so if you're not careful, you get one side is they, they get nervous about them. I don't want everybody prophesying and everybody having visions and telling me dreams. And so there's a there's a part that is kind of like reluctant. And there's the other side of this where people's like, man, I, I'm having dreams every day, and God's giving me visions, and they always got a prophecy. And so they maybe they go too far one way, and some people don't go far enough. But I would tell you that it is the plan of God, that it's not just that you have this supernatural salvation experience, and it's like, okay, I have it. God has moved in. But it is an ongoing process. And He has empowered you for service. And I've told you this before. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the uttermost. And God will empower us to share the gospel. But I think what we need more than an empowerment just to speak His Word, that we, anybody can do that. Anybody can read the Bible. Anybody can say Jesus loves you because the Bible tells them what we really need is the supernatural to empower us, to have miracles, signs, and wonders everywhere we go. 
And while Joel has, has and Peter's quoting Joel, and he, he's using this specific prophecy, you don't prophesy apart from the Spirit of God. It's the supernatural. When you have visions, it is something that God has given you that you're not giving to yourself. You're, you're not making this up. But God gives you visions. And the dreams that they're talking about here, it's not a pizza dream. It's not just your normal dream. I had all kind of crazy dreams last night. Had nothing to do with God and nothing to do with the Spirit. But you will know when God gives you a dream that He's going to do something and He's setting something up and He wants you to know what He's, he's got in the future. The supernatural or a supernatural ministry is for everyone. Paul would write in 1 Corinthians Chapter 12, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Let me pause here. The tongues that he's speaking of here is a message to his people. It's different than the tongues when people are filled with the Holy Ghost. But this is a message to the people of God, and that's why you need an interpreter to say, this is what God is saying through those tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Paul would go on to conclude chapter 12 with this phrase, but covet earnestly the best gift. What I'm telling you is that God doesn't want us just to have a supernatural salvation experience, but He has a supernatural ministry that He wants to impart to each of us. And understand, there is a difference in the Bible between the gift of the Spirit, which is God giving us His Spirit, and then the gifts that His Spirit gives us afterwards. It is a distinction that the Bible makes. He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit, and now when the Holy Spirit is residing in us, the Holy Spirit will impart gifts. Those nine gifts that I just talked about. But God wants all of His people to be Spirit-led and to walk after the Spirit and to have a supernatural ministry. And we are to be stewards of His gifts. I'm thankful for all of our volunteers. We couldn't do it without them. But you don't need to be saved to meet people at the door. It doesn't take a supernatural experience 
to serve coffee or buy donuts. I don't feel a special unction from the Holy One when I go in on Sunday morning and buy donuts. So God has a natural gifting and a natural place for us to serve in His body, but He has a supernatural ministry as well. And God wants to use you and I to do what only He can do. In fact, Jesus said this, it's John chapter 5, I believe, when speaking of His disciples, He said, greater works than these shall you do. I mean, Jesus did some pretty impressive stuff, but greater works than these shall you do. Not because it's my power, but because I'm allowing him to work through me. And if you believe what the Bible tells us, that while I may have a different function and a different role than you do, you may not be called or gifted to get up here and preach or teach or talk about the Bible in this manner. But there is something that God is doing, and the Bible tells us there is a priesthood of all believers, that every believer has a role in the kingdom. Every believer can be used in the supernatural. So my last point is this. The supernatural is for you. Why don't you do this? Let's make it interactive. That heat is kicked up and it's a little warm in here, so you might be getting sleepy. Or maybe I'm boring. I don't know. Just, just point at yourself and say, hey, the supernatural's for me. Come on, right now. Say it, and then say it like you mean it. The supernatural's for me. And then really get excited and point at your neighbor, man, the supernatural's for you. Now take a lap around the building and say it. No, I'm just kidding. Y'all can't turn the heat down. There is a, a problem in Christianity at large. And It's this, that, that when you read the stories of Bible heroes, and even then, that's probably not the right way to say it because the, the hero of every story in the Bible is God. But when we're reading about David and Goliath, a lot of times people will say, man, we need to be like David. David had some problems. He did some good stuff, but he had some problems. There are aspects of David's life we could emulate, and that would be good. But I would tell you that it's not that we want to be like David or be like Moses or be like some other Old Testament saint. Be like you, used of God. 
Be the person that God is calling you to be and, and be used of God the way He wants you to be used. And I would tell you that that means He wants to do the supernatural in you. You may say, and, and, and I, I get this, if you've never been used by God to do something supernatural, and your question is, most, well, how do I know? What I would tell you is this. Anything you mess up can be fixed. But anything God is wanting to do in you that you refuse to do is typically never done. That if you feel God gives you a word, just share it. If you're not sure, come ask me if you should share it. He gives you a word, make sure that it lines up with his word. If he gives you a vision, and you're not sure, come talk about it with me. We can pray about it. Is this really from God? Or if he gives you a dream, and I, I think God is telling me this, or he wants me to tell somebody that, it's better to step out in faith and be wrong than to never step out because of fear. If you feel to pray with somebody at the altar or during prayer requests or at any other time, step out. Because here's what I know. In general, the devil's never going to tell you something that's going to edify or lift somebody up. And what I know about you who are in this room today, you're not seeking to exalt yourself. You're not seeking to lift yourself up. So I'm not worried about you going, well, hey, watch God use me. But I would tell you that if we will listen to his voice and we will hear what he's saying that God will use us to do the miraculous and he will use us to do the supernatural that when you feel that nudge to pray for somebody on the job or pray for somebody in the restaurant that's not the devil and it's probably not you because you probably don't want to go do it which means it's probably God going hey you go do this I want to bless them. I want to touch them. Everybody all right? Amen. God is at work in doing the supernatural. I, let me, let me close with this. There are many people that I've mentioned who don't believe in supernatural and many people who are Christians don't believe in the supernatural that people who profess to believe the Bible and profess to be saved and to have this saving relationship with Jesus they don't believe what his word actually says There's a man, his name is Jack Deere. As far as I know, no relation to John. 
He wrote a book. He's a preacher. Preached for a long time. And then God showed up. Serving God, following God. He wrote a book entitled Surprised by the Spirit. Because while he's preaching the Bible to some extent, he's at least preaching parts of it. He didn't believe that God really did the supernatural. And then one day God showed up and proved himself. And he wrote, Surprised by the Spirit. I don't want you to be surprised by the Spirit. I want you to believe that God, all, He wants to do something in you. And He wants to do something through you. I heard a story on Focus on the Family number of years ago I looked it up and you actually you can see a video of it on focus on the family if you look up if you're interested it's a, it's a whole broadcast I want to talk about one piece of it the guy's name is if you just put focus on the family pastor Dwayne Miller this is a newer version I think of than one the one I heard on the radio years ago but this this pastor he had an issue. He had, one day he got a sore throat and just knew something was wrong. And he went to see a doctor and he took medicine and took antibiotics and all that. The infection he had really bad, it all went away. But his throat said it felt like somebody was squeezing his throat like this. And he's barely talking. And he, he does that on the video. You can hear him. He's it's like it was this constant pressure that he could he just talk and whisper. But he didn't believe that God did healings today. He didn't believe that God still did the supernatural. So he's teaching us an adult Sunday school class at his church. And the recording of it, you could, you could hear the moment God heals him. He's preaching or teaching and talking about God doesn't do healing today. And, you know, but God's with him. And, and in the middle of talking about the fact that God doesn't heal, God heals him. The middle of his sentence. And he goes from this. Instantly he's talking more. Breaks down in tears. For years, God doesn't do that. God's not involved in that. He doesn't do that anymore. There's no healings. There's no miracles. But the Word of God and your experience and mine tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He still does the supernatural. He still performs the miraculous. 
He still wants to bless people and touch people and heal people. And He wants to use you to do it. I don't know if you believe that today, but God wants to use you to do the supernatural. It doesn't have to be dreams and visions and prophecy. It could be healings. It could be miracles. It could be the gift of tongues where he's given the message. It could be the interpretation of tongues. God wants to use you. If you've been filled with his spirit, he wants to use you. And if you haven't been filled with the spirit, he wants to do that today. So my call to action for you is this, as you stand together. If you haven't fully committed your life to Jesus Christ, Make sure that you do. Repent and turn to God. If you haven't received the gift of the Holy Spirit, evidence in speaking in other tongues, He wants to do that for you. But not just you, but He wants to do it for everyone. But if you've already done that, then my prayer for you is this, is that you would pray that God would use you supernaturally. I referenced it earlier, the end of 1 Corinthians 12. You can go look it up. It's the last verse. Covet earnestly the best gifts. I know what chapter 13 is about. It's about love. and You can have gifts and not love, and that's a problem. That's some people's problem. It was the Corinthian church's problem. I don't think it's yours. So covet earnestly the best gifts. Pray that God would use you to do the supernatural. Anybody believe that He really wants to? I know I've told you. My question is, do you believe that God wants to use you to do the supernatural? If you, if you believe that, just lift a hand. God wants to use you and He wants to use me to do the supernatural. And my fourth call to action is this, that after praying for that, step out in faith. Don't let fear hold you back. I've been there too many times where peer pressure or fear kept me from stepping out and doing what God wanted me to do. And what I would tell you is that if you believe He wants to do it, then let Him do it by stepping out in faith. Would you lift your voice right now, lift your hands, and would you just talk to the Lord real quick? Jesus, we love you. We magnify your name. We magnify your name, Lord. God, we want to be used by you for your glory, for your kingdom.